0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome everyone to Project Management Office Hours, broadcasting to you live from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, Joe Puz, PMO Joe, and for the next hour we'll be talking project management, or today, more specifically, Agile, with our special guests. I want to thank our sponsors, Talaya, OpenPPM, and the PMO Squad. Talaya PPM is about a decades-old solution that's been popular in Europe, Asia, and Latin America, and they have entered the U.S. market. They're now offering a 30-day free trial. You can go to www.talaya-openppm.com. And sign up for a free trial and give it a go. Also to the PMO Squad, thank you for sponsoring. Are you tired of failed projects? Deploy the squad to rescue your failing projects and start recovering lost time, money, and peace of mind. Visit www.thepmosquad.com to learn more about all our project management services. Now, before... We get started today with our discussion and our special guest on Agile. I wanted to share something I'm uh, proud of. Uh, This past week, I accepted a position on the board of directors with Sim Arizona as the director of sponsorships, and Sim is the Society for Information Management, and they've been around for about 50 years now, and it is the premier IT network helping to shape the future of IT. Most of the members are senior IT leaders, CIOs, and they have chapters across the U.S., so I'm uh, proud to be a member of that board, and thank you to Chris Speer, president of the Arizona chapter, for giving me the opportunity, and I look forward to serving that community. Also, a reminder to everybody that we are live and monitoring on Twitter, so if you have a question for either me or our special guest, please tweet that using hashtag PMO Joe, and we'll get to your questions live on air. Usually I say at this time, let's talk project management, but today, let's talk Agile. I want to welcome our special guest, Jeremy Wood. Thank you for coming on, Jeremy. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm pretty excited to have a conversation today and see where it takes us. And I know uh, you're a senior Agile coach for Matrix and have over 15 years experience in the industry But I want to give you a moment to introduce yourself and what you do at Matrix so the listeners can learn a little bit more about you and your organization.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. So Matrix has been around for about 35 years. We do everything from IT solutions, uh, professional services, offerings, uh, staffing. And uh, so I'm really happy to have joined the team about a year and a half ago. I run the Phoenix market and all the professional services here in Arizona. And so I enjoy getting around, seeing a lot of organizations around here, as I'm sure you do the same, and seeing all kinds of challenges, which are, you know, what we enjoy doing and, and helping organizations out with. So, In addition to uh, being an agile coach,
0: you also speak at conferences. And I know uh, we originally had on our roster Kristen Call, who is the president of IIBA, was going to be a guest with us today, but she had a conflict. And they have an upcoming conference, I
1: believe, that you're going to be speaking at. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's good segue there. So bad business analyst day in the desert. It's a one day professional development conference for business analysts and and all the associated professional industry workers. The conference is going to be hosted at the Desert Willow Conference Center in Phoenix on Tuesday, September 18th. It's going to be hosted by the Phoenix IIBA chapter, as you mentioned, and the title sponsor ASPE Training. At the conference, people are going to have the opportunity to network with business analysts from other companies around while learning about things veterans in the industry are doing, hot new topics, upcoming trends, and a whole lot more. They'll be able to also earn continuous education credit from the IIBA as well as PMI. So that's always a nice benefit. Absolutely, Uh, Everybody's trying to get their PDUs every year. Um, There's going to be a lot of great speakers this year, including Bob the BA the founders of Watermark Learning, Richard and Elizabeth Larson. Uh, myself will be a speaker there, Jeremy Wood, and there's plenty of others as well. So it's going to be a really exciting event. There's great offerings such as group packaging and things for organizations that are looking to, to get a couple people together. And right now we're actually offering a promo code. If you use the promo code Hours, all one word, you can get an extra $25 off the early bird price And we can just, what was the date uh, for the conference again? Yeah, it's Tuesday, September
0: 18th. That's great. And uh, Kristen's been a big uh, contributor on our show, so we appreciate that. And Jeremy, obviously, listeners will get to learn a little bit more about you on the show today. But to hear Jeremy more, uh, obviously, attend the BAD conference. And it would be great to go out there and see what everybody has to offer because project management and business analysis, obviously, are two disciplines that go hand in hand. So it's great to be able to support them. Let's talk a little bit about Agile as we uh, transition off that. And we've had several guests on the show where we've had topics where we have the, the discussion or debates, whatever you want to call it, of Agile versus Waterfall. And I lie in the middle of that camp to say, I want to get as many different tools in my toolbox as possible because each situation is going to be unique and you want to be able to use the right tool at the right time. But what we've never done is focus an entire show on Agile. So thank you, Jeremy, for coming on. I think this is going to be a great discussion for everybody. How have you seen a traditional PMO, right? The project management office. It evolves over time, of course. But when they make a move to Agile, how does that happen? And what does that transition look like?
1: Well, that's a great question. And, and I want to go back and echo your comment, right? That there's many different types of projects that are going on. And uh, so there's always a the best tool for that type of application. So I'm glad that you said that. So as organizations are moving away from kind of the traditional project management office, it's kind of the thought that comes to mind is that command and control, right? Leadership leverages that offers to get visibility into the projects. They want to understand funding. They use things like earned value management. Are we on track to deliver what we promised? Uh, what does that return on investment look like? Do we have issues in the project so we can help resolve those? And you get that really famous RAG status report. And we always look at the yellow ones and go, don't worry, it's going to get green. So usually there's a lot of fear uh, for those members working within a PMO when they hear the word agile. What does that mean to me? Is my job going away? There's a lot of fear with some of those things. And really, it's just about turning it into what I like to think of a center of excellence. What are the best approaches and ways to work? For our organization, and how can we continuously discover that and work in continuous improvement? And so, we want to continuously inspect and adapt are the things we're doing today the most efficient, effective things for us to do? And usually, two things come to mind around this one is funding, because traditionally projects are funded by project, it has a defined start and end. And the other thing is really, what are we measuring? And traditionally, everybody has kind of a pre predisposition to KPIs and so today what a lot of organizations are moving towards is we don't want to fund projects because generally the things we're working on continue to exist after the projects over and so we look at those as products and that might be a service or a physical good and so what we want to do is keep continuous flow of value going to that item because the team should stay together they learned how to work together efficiently and effectively we know how much they cost and we get predictability on how fast they can deliver things. So what we want to do is just keep flow going to that product versus funding chunk style to projects. And so it's a big mind shift for especially finance to do. The other thing is, it's, it's uh, is the, the KPIs, as I mentioned. So traditionally, we want to measure how busy our people is everybody at 100% busy, you know, Uh, Do you need more tasks to do? Let me fill you up so the bar is all the way to the top. And really, I always say, is there value in being busy? And the answer is no, right? When do you get value? Well, that's easy. It's when you deliver it to the customer. So our focus should be on how fast can we deliver something of value to our customers so we can learn and then we can make it better. And so what companies have done now is moving away from those traditional mindsets of planning towards projects and looking at what are commonly called as OKRs. And those are objectives and key results. So we want to focus on what's the outcome we're trying to achieve. And when we look at the outcome, maybe increasing market share 20%, now we have some realistic things we can measure against. Well, that's going to mean, and I'm making numbers up here, we're going to have to increase subscriptions to our service 10% this quarter. We're going to have to do something else uh, 15% better. And then, then we can ask ourselves, what is the type of work we would have to do to accomplish that? And it's really working backwards from our end goal to figuring out what's the work that we need to do to do that. And then we know we're measuring the right things because it's our desired outcome versus something that we built um, up front thinking we had value and predefining all of the work. So very different.
0: So yeah, obviously very different. And um, it makes me think back to my days in Six Sigma where we would be doing projects as a process improvement But the project was the initiative to implement the change. And then the project would be over and the product in your reference or process would live on. Mm -hmm. But we didn't have the project team providing results, right? The team that was involved, there was no measurement system for them to say, what was our ROI on the project? Because the project's over. You can't measure ROI the day that you finish the project. Right. You need time to actually get the results. So I think what I'm hearing is maybe Agile is... A redefinition of the way that organizations may have been behaving previously, but now it's putting it into an organized structure of
1: how to do that. You know, I'm actually glad you asked that. So there is so much misconception out there in the market that when people hear the word agile, they either crawl underneath their desk or run away screaming. (laughs) Wave the white flag. Or they're gonna be like, oh my God, I love agile. Thank you so much for saying the word. Really, Agile has no process at all. And this that's what It's hard for people to grasp, right? Because most people, when they think, they hear the word Agile, they think about things like Scrum and they think about sprint planning and user stories. And so the first thing I do to a group is say, okay, let's look at the Agile Manifesto and let's, let's look at the principles. And it tells you how to do nothing. It tells you how to think and how your behavior should be driven by. That's it. It doesn't say anything about any kind of ceremonies or user stories or sprint planning. Those are from the frameworks that people have found to be valuable to help try to accomplish being Agile. And so that's the first thing I try to separate people's mind is that Agile isn't something you do, it's something you are. And so once you clearly understand that and you're focused on the outcomes and where you're putting your energy and focus, it's much easier to course correct on the process that you're doing to try to achieve those.
0: Yeah, I had mentioned on air a few episodes back that I had attended a sim event where Peter Green, I believe he's from Agile for All, was a speaker, and he had talked about the evolution of Agile now has moved away from just software development into organizational development to change the mindset of an organization away from doing projects and steps in time to be able to say we are a project, our organization rather, is just agile. It's an entity that has to go through agile principles. And I think what you're saying, right, is we, man, has made process out of something that was defined by man to be without process. <laughs> uh, but the overall objective, I think, is to try to increase efficiency within the organization.
1: Absolutely. And I think that goes with any process that we intend and we have well-intended well intentions about. That was interesting. Intended intentions. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, people always associate Agile with software development and trying to think of that outside that box is very challenging for people. So I like to raise awareness of where this works outside. And so there's in Holland, EduScrum is used. And so they actually use Scrum in the educational classroom and they form teams around that to have diverse skill sets. And the teams teach themselves how to learn. And they assign themselves homework and they move things through like a Kanban board and instructor will go by and say, okay, if you said it's done, then everybody needs to know this topic on the team. Let me quiz you. And so that has nothing to do with software development. It's an approach to solving problems and getting work done. The team's in charge and there's ways to validate that that happened. And in fact, here in our own backyard in Arizona, anyone fortunate enough to know Blueprint Education and Blueprint High School, there's a couple of charters here that use that same philosophy in their educational uh, settings. Um, and that might be for the uh, student council projects for the, the uh, school and sometimes even in the classroom itself. And the really valuable thing is when they get done with their high school diploma, they can actually have tangible skills to go hit the workforce with, which is just amazing. I mean, that's a real blessing for kids these days. Yeah, absolutely. Great to hear the skills
0: being used outside traditional disciplines because the reality is we're all evolving, right? And education maybe hasn't evolved as fast as some of other industries, especially the technology industry. So to see something like that coming in is really nice to hear. You mentioned a couple of things that um, always come to mind when I talk with people about agile, they always bring up, well, are you going to be iterative scrum Kanban? What process are you going to use for agile and, and, I'm interested to hear from an Agilist. I don't know if that's the right word or not. i think been called uh, a lot worse. <laughs> uh, what is the difference between Scrum and Agile and Kanban and Iterative, right? All the terms that are out there. Can you help provide
1: some clarity to all of us that really want to know a little bit more? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with Agile again, right? Agile should be a way of thinking, right? Where do we put our focus and energy on? That's It doesn't tell us how to do anything. And so that's a methodology. Then we get into frameworks, which is a way to try to accomplish that. And so you mentioned a couple of the most popular, which is Scrum, which is by far the most popular. There's Kanban. And there's probably about 40 others in addition to that that are all considered agile approach or frameworks. And one thing that I've come to know and realize over time that the reason why there's over 40 of them, because none of them are perfect. Right. And if they were, it would just be called the way and we would do it. Right. (laughs) It has evolved so much over time, as you alluded that Peter Green had mentioned, when people thought of what Scrum was or Agile in their mind 15, 20, you know, 17 years ago, whenever the manifesto was signed, it was very simplistic, but it has evolved to a set of best practices and they've borrowed things from XP. And it, it, when you think of Scrum now, it includes XP practices for software development. Now we're talking CICD with continuous integration and continuous deployment. Now we're talking about product organizations. And so really, when people think about Agile now, it's a conglomeration of all of these good things they've taken from all these different frameworks. And so it's really become more robust. I I took a class recently with Boss Voda, one of the co-creators of large-scale Scrum Less. And he made me laugh because he really hates the term best practices. Because he said, as soon as you follow a best practice, there's no longer any continuous improvement because you're already doing the best practice. Yeah. And so it's taken it literally, but it's a bit funny because what we should always strive for is looking for the better way to work. And as soon as we give somebody the best practice, they stop looking for it because, hey, we're there. Yeah, that's
0: an interesting concept. And I never really thought about that. I may have to go back and update my website in a couple of spots (laughs) now. (laughs) That's great. Thanks for making me think of it that way. But so let's, and again, I don't want to get into the weeds necessarily on everything here, but a couple of things that I maybe want to dig a little bit deeper on is Scrum. Okay. Right? So it's a method, it's a framework, but what is Scrum? Right? So again, I think uh, I've got some preconceived notions, but
1: maybe listeners have something different in mind, right?
0: Sure. you so what's your perspective?
1: So... Let me give you a high level, right? It's based off of uh, the rugby term, Scrum. And so it's a huddle of people working together. You know, they're moving the ball on the rugby field. And so the concept is, it's team empowerment, right? We want to work together to accomplish a goal. And so some of the, the things that Scrum entails is having feedback loops. And those feedback loops are generally based around things called iterations or sprints. And those can range anywhere from one week to four. And generally better to have shorter feedback loops, right? The faster we can learn and improve, the less rework we have to do. The notion is really built around the team. The team is in charge. They are the solution providers. The business brings problems to them and the team figures out how to solve those problems because we hire really smart people. And so the team will collaborate and and really mature teams don't have really defined roles. In fact, anyone who's ever heard Jeff Sutherland, the co-creator of Scrum speak, He's like, the first thing a Scrum team needs to do is throw their business cards in the garbage. Mm -hmm. Because all we end up with is fast waterfall at that point. And one person does the development, they hand off to the next person to do the next thing. And we end up with a two-week waterfall cycle. And what we want to do is, in Scrum, swarm on the work so we can begin figuring out, how are we going to test this? At the same time, I'm figuring out how I'm going to develop it. And we want to come together and be done at the same time. Our goal is to get something out the door as quick as possible to get feedback, to show it to the product owner and say, what do you think? Is this on track? It's much easier to tweak it when I'm halfway done than working on something for three months and going, oh, I did it wrong. Let me start all over. And uh, so that is the basic tenets of Scrum. And they use things like product backlogs, right? And that should be prioritized work, things we think we need to do to accomplish our goal. And sometimes some of those get thrown in the garbage and they get modified and changed but we, I, I like to think of it as just-in-time planning. We put effort into it more as it gets closer to being worked on and not so much when it's further out because it's probably going to change because we learn. As we work, we learn. And so that's what Scrum's really about. Feedback loops, the team working together and really not trying to have defined roles and figuring out how quickly can we get something in front of someone's eyes to get feedback, modify it and get it out the door. And then we, you know, then you get into those other topics like DevOps and... How do we? How do we now work all the automation to get it to the customer faster? And like I said, it's just that real set of robust best practices that are. Oh, see, so yeah. Now I said best practices. Yeah, language. <laughs> but that—that's what we're trying to achieve, right? And of course, the the key with that uh,
0: to to vary slightly from rugby would be luckily no bloody noses and cauliflower ears out of those scrums. No, uh, no, no. It's working there, together or, or are we looking for battles?
1: It definitely does happen. A couple of cauliflower deers on the teams I work with. Okay. Um, and then some arm wrestling matches as well. Oh, fantastic. Um. I got to come where you are. <laughs> it's more
0: fun than what our squad does. <laughs> now, uh, the other thing that's coming to mind as you're talking through all this is this is generally going to be a major transformation for the way organizations do business. It's non-traditional, com- at least from what traditional is. And, and there have been other disciplines, Lean, Six Sigma, TQM that have come along that have challenged the norm before. And we always seem to have them as a passing fad as opposed to something that becomes the new tradition. So how is Agile positioned to be able to not be just the latest fad and like bell bottoms go out in the 70s and maybe 40 years later make a return?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked that. In fact, I think Agile has done just that already. It has changed immensely from when it really became popularized around Scrum and the Agile Manifesto and things around 2001 uh, to what it is today when most people think of a mature Agile organization. And now we didn't know what DevOps were. We didn't understand continuous integration, continuous deployment. We didn't understand a product mindset. We didn't know what objectives and key results were to focus on outcomes all of those things are ways we've changed our behavior and way of thinking because technology really drives our customers. I mean, our customers will say the word squirrel in two seconds. If we don't have what they want, our competitor will. And if our goal is to always catch up to the thing our our competitor just put out, the best thing we could ever hope for is to be in second place because we'll have what they had six months later. Mm-hmm. And so how do we strive to find out what customers find of value and get feedback and, I love Eric Ree's book, Lean Startup, where how do we get experiments and see if we can basically test the hypothesis of the things we're working on right now? Is it even worth putting effort towards? And you have those great startup uh, examples with Airbnb and Zappos, and you know they're starting huge multi-billion-dollar businesses with, you know, like Zappos. I'm sure most people are familiar, right? They didn't have any shoes. They went and took pictures of shoes in other stores and said, hey, if people actually like these shoes, I'll come back and buy them and I'll mail them to you so that you get the profit. Mm -hmm. And so they proved that people would do that. And they never had to buy any inventory. They didn't have to really do anything fancy with their website, put up a static image. And Airbnb, same thing, right? And they found, hey, people like this. I wonder if we had real photos maybe we had two angles of the shoes. They would like it better, yeah. right? Or a destination at Airbnb. What if we actually had the real house that people were going to rent? I bet they'd like that more. Yeah. And so they learned what people wanted. And they, it's again, it's a product, right? It continuously, we add value to it, make it more user-friendly. And it's really the mindset that we need to think about because it's not going to stop as soon as their project's done. Airbnb doesn't go away. I guess you, t- you touched on it right there on the end is agile is a
0: mindset. And I think... Uh, at least from my perspective of years in the practice, when I talk to clients about this, is it's perceived to be more uh, defined. It's the methodology, and TQM and Lean and Six Sigma and all them—they are the frameworks and the methodologies. Maybe that's why they were passing fads, and of course they still exist today, but not in the popularity they had when they were hot, right? But agile as a mindset can live in whatever form we give it,
1: as long as we're following the disciplines within the mindset. Well, well, don't let this agile coach fool you. Yeah, um, I speak from utopian a lot. Sure, um, that utopian mindset that us coaches have—we carry pixie dust with us and sprinkle it on things. You know, that's the way companies should perceive agile, right? But to your point, more often than not, it's hey, we're going to do do agile, right? And here's this new process. Go forth and flourish. Here's Scrum, right? Everybody has to do Scrum. You're going to like it. You're going to enjoy it. And you better track these metrics or else. And we beat them over the head with it. And we never get that perceived value that we thought we were going to get. And then we wonder why. Because I like to call it, we're making you know, basically uh, dark agile, right? It's a concept we've come up with my company. And we end up making conscious decisions to find workarounds to problems we run into rather than solving the real problem. So I've got some examples of teams I was working with. They didn't have any feedback from their product owner, so they weren't sure if they were delivering what they were supposed to. So the business decided rather than let's get involved and get feedback to the team solving your problems, well, they're really busy. So, hey, after you do work for a couple of weeks, why don't you send them a link and just screen record what you did? And whenever they have time, they'll look at it and email you back something. And so basically they chose to make a conscious decision to create a workaround rather than solving the problem. And so the team thinks, well, hey, we tried Agile. It sucks, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't Agile's fault. It was the organization's fault for making poor decisions. So in those settings, we see those all the time. And it's unfortunate because then people leave and go, yeah, we tried that at my company and just it didn't work. And, you know, whatever I'm used to before was so much better. So how do we
0: reconcile Water Scrum Fall and <laughs> the the interweavings of Agile and Waterfall. Is it out of organizations like you just mentioned that they've tried it one way and didn't quite go all the way? And how? what's your experience with that?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of companies have some combination of it, right? And, and what I see, especially large companies, is they will, at a low level, the worker B level in teams, they'll implement Scrum or, or Kanban or something like that. But then they with a death grip and funding Mm -hmm. will not change programs and portfolios for the life of them. And so they get to a point where they can't get any additional value and they can't figure out why, right? Because we're still funding projects. We still have to report back to program teams. We still plan these big overarching efforts that last, you know, six months or three years at a time, but Hey, down there, they're doing agile. So therefore our whole organization is right. And it's not true. We talk about business agility, right? This is where companies strive to be. And it's to your point, right? Marketing does it. It's legal. It's the technology group. It's if we don't have the business folded in because the business is the one facing customers and getting feedback and technology helps solve those problems. And if we don't have a tight-knit communication between them, we're we're just looking for failure so we've had some pretty good discussion
0: on this but what i haven't heard yet that i'm assuming is out there is the benefits of agile right why do i why should my organization or my department or my team or or any even outside of work right i mean why should we adopt this agile mindset what's the benefit to that
1: well i'm not going to spew off any kind of like numerical values here cuz i think those are silly yeah but what I do believe on or believe in is the fact that if we can change the way people view work, focus on who their end customer is and the problems we're solving for them, get really fast feedback to find out if it really provided the value we thought it did, then we're doing the right thing. And our customers will be happy. And when they are, they usually spend more money, which makes us more successful. And as a team, when I'm the worker bee doing something, I find a lot more job satisfaction when I get say and input in providing value to the customers versus being told what to do. Here's your task list. So the value really is I'm able to provide faster value, ensure that it's the right thing I'm delivering to customers, solve the right problem. And those are things that drive efficiency and save money as a byproduct of doing those things. So to me, that's the way I would describe it versus maybe other coaches would say, oh yes, data says 23% increase savings and blah, blah, blah. Maybe, right? Maybe there was an instance. Yeah, But I like to think of those as, as the additional benefits because people are happier, customers are more satisfied, and we're doing the right thing. Well, I like that you shared, uh, I think, some reality with us, right? That as a coach...
0: You're, you're out there with the pixie dust spreading it because that's what you believe and that's what you're trying to work towards is the utopia. But the reality is a lot of organizations just haven't been able to make the transformation yet. Heck, it's only been 15 years, right? I mean, it's still a very immature mindset or way of doing business mm-hmm. in the world. So it's going to take time to really
1: uh, sink in, I think. Yeah. You know, one, one quote that comes to mind on that is Peter Drucker. And I love it. I use it all the time is culture will eat strategy for breakfast. Mm. So it doesn't matter what perfect strategy you have. If that company is not ready to adopt and change the way they fundamentally think and work, it will never be successful. And they will spend millions of dollars and end up no better than they started. Yeah. What we haven't done on any shows previously, because we've been having
0: a different type of discussion, is really dig into some almost case studies, right? Of some... Here we have an agile coach who's done this, has gone out and helped organizations, and a lot of organizations are still struggling with this, right? But what we as our listeners can benefit from is maybe a little in-depth review of some of the work that you've done. And we don't have to get into naming names, of course, of companies, but how walk us through right, an agile transformation to help us understand where the challenges are, where the pitfalls are. Uh, where the benefits can be, where the struggles are. And as a coach, where you spend a lot of your time trying to help these organizations.
1: Yeah, that's a great question that has like almost no bounds there. So let me pick a space to play in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll jump in every once in a while just to steer the ship if I have to. Yeah, so let me give you my approach here, my, my company, how we approach this. The, the first thing I want to do is come in and, and do what we call a discovery. And the reason why we call it discovery instead of an assessment, because what do you think When you hear assessment, like, oh, great, I'm being graded by the bobs, right, from office space. And so rather than that, we want to say we want to do a discovery to identify from the worker B level up through leadership. What are the things that you find you're really doing well already? What are the things at different levels that are challenges to you? And through a bunch of conversations, we'll be able to get a good picture of where are you today, realistically. And I know your end goal of where you want to get. And so from that, we can build a plan to fill those gaps with those opportunities. And so we'll build kind of a short-term Agile roadmap. And generally, that's going to start with us having discussions and buy-in from leadership. Because as we all know, many companies have a flavor of the day or flavor of the month. And if they don't see leadership really buying in, supporting and driving this new thing, they're not going to try too hard because... By the time they get the hang of whatever that thing is, it's going to change. Here we go again. Exactly. Yeah. And so you get the eye roll from the teams and they're watching their clock ready for that to change. So that's really important that leadership conveys, we are fundamentally changing the way we want to work as an organization. And it's not just, here's this new process, IT, have fun with this and let us know when you're successful. It really has to be pervasive throughout the organization. And one of the phrases we use in my company, we've, we've trademarked is holistic agile. And so you think of holistic as throughout the entire body or or body of the organization. And so we use that to say, well, that means not just IT, that means legal, that means marketing, that means the way we recruit and retain people, HR, right? Everybody is going to fundamentally change the way they work so that we're all working the same way. We speak common language. We are ensuring we're always prioritizing work versus being busy. And so if we start there, that's an excellent start. And then generally it goes at a high level. Now we want to get some high level awareness, some trainings out there, big groups where people understand common language, maybe some approaches that they might be learning like Scrum or Kanban to at least set set the stage for what that might look like for them. Answer questions because people will fear their jobs are going away. And oh my God, what does that mean? If I'm a manager, am I even needed anymore? And, and so we, we try to touch on all of that and then we can get down to now, now that we have this, now that we're focusing on products because we all agree the things we do don't generally just disappear the moment the project ends and we can get finance to keep funding. Now we can get down to how we're actually doing the work and delivering it back to our customer. And, and some of those concepts I said earlier around scrum, for example, uh, user stories, because it paints the picture of. Who's the person that has the problem and what are they trying to achieve and why do they want that? What value do they get?
0: So there's a obviously agile, the mindset and the work of a coach going in to help with that transformation isn't just agile, right? As you're describing, there's a ton of change management that's involved in that. Uh, getting the lower level and leaders on the same page because we've heard that before. And we know where this is headed. Six months later, I'm going to get a different itch I need to scratch, and yep. I'm going to do something else.
1: So Agile isn't
0: independent, right? It, it, it carries with it a lot of other tools.
1: Yeah, actually, absolutely. And I mentioned some of those earlier. And one of the things I see companies struggle with a lot, and it, it's, it hurts me inside, my Agile coach inside cries a little bit. Is when I see companies force one single way of working pervasively throughout the entire company because different teams have different types of work. And so, what we want to understand is if we're truly trying to be agile, we understand the goals we're trying to achieve. And so, to some degree, what difference does it make which framework we choose to get that outcome? And so, if I have teams that do like production support and they get a a squirrel every two minutes to fix that takes them 15 minutes. And I have other teams that are doing software development. They're doing features that might take them several days to do a little piece um, or two weeks to put together something a little larger. It's a very different type of work. And so the production support team might say, hey, Kanban works excellent for us because we can focus on cycle time, lead time. We can focus on work in progress limits and getting something out the door as fast as possible. Whereas a software or an app dev team might say, well, Scrum works really well for me because I know what I'm going to work on for two weeks. It's going to change very little other than a couple of discussions we're going to have. I know the problem I'm solving and we can swarm on those bigger items together, but they're not going to change every five minutes like an incoming call for a customer. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, they're both agile frameworks. Imagine that, right? So you tell a leader that like, it's okay. Settle down. Take a seat. Have a sip of water. It's okay that they're doing different things. And yes, they are still both agile. Let me throw the the butt into
0: that, right? Mm-hmm. So I've been in organizations where we've been consulting with them and and set up within a team, within a department, uh, where we were going through, because the, the digital transformation was happening within this team and they were going to adopt agile processes. And the e-commerce engine was going to work off of agile development mindset Scrum and production support was going to be there. But guess what? The e-commerce engine plugged into and integrated with the back-end finance system and the customer uh, relationship management system. And those teams weren't agile. And you had to work on, we've got a sprint coming up that's going to put a new release into production in two weeks. But the other team was on a six-month waterfall project. And they couldn't handle the flexibility of putting that sort of change in. How do you work with organizations? One, is that common, I guess? And then two, how do you work with organizations when they encounter situations like that?
1: So obviously, you and I have very similar experiences because, yes, that happens a lot. (laughs) But this is why it's a journey, right? And the first thing I'll always say, I'm like, I know I'm going to blow your mind as an Agile coach saying this, but Agile is not going to solve one problem you have. And they're like, you can't say that. You're a coach. And I'm like, really? All it's going to do is shine a really bright light on your problem and let you choose. Do you want to solve it or find a workaround? Right? And so we have to understand just because one team is following some agile framework, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything connected to it is going to work flawlessly. Because as you mentioned, we have other groups that are working different ways and different timelines. And so this is why I talked about business agility as a whole. To really achieve the goals that we're trying to do, we run into those limitations. And it's no different than you you think of Six Sigma, we think of Flow, Toyota production systems. We find where those bottlenecks are at, and that's where we move next to try to fix it. So as a coach, the first thing I want to do is go to that problem and say, okay, how can we start to improve this area? Because I have downstream impacts. And so probably a similar approach if you're using any other traditional framework whether it's based off of Pembok or Waterfall or whatever, you're going to do the same thing, right? You're going to find somewhere that's a pain point and you're going to go work on that. And so that's why you know it's really important that I paint that picture because it's reality. Just because this team over here is doing Scrum and they're connected to this three-year program, well, you're going to have a problem, right? So until we start working through all of it, 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 it can improve, but we won't solve it until we get to where we're going. So it's a journey, and you don't
0: stop believing that it's going to work. Can you sing that? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking for about 30 seconds, how am I going to put that in after you mentioned that? (laughs) That's great. So, you know, this is a great discussion, and a lot of organizations are um, probably wanting, or listeners, wanting to learn more about Agile itself, right? And is this going to be a fit for me? Where where are some tools, right? The PMI has the PMBOK for project management. It's the, the kind of the gold standard, at least in the States, as to what to follow from a, a guardrails perspective. Is there anything similar for the Agile mindset?
1: Yeah, probably one of the most, um, I guess, popular, if you want to compare it to a PMBOK, is probably the, the Scrum uh, Book of Knowledge, and, and that's on Scrum.org, which is pretty popular. As a, something of basis to read about. But there's a, just a ton of great articles and case studies out there that I would encourage people to look at. Like Scrum Alliance has a lot of those posted. Uh, my company with matrixres.com has a lot of blogs on there and case studies that we've done with organizations. And, and so I encourage people to read about those because those are real world examples. And it's one thing to read about philosophy in a book, mm-hmm. and it's very different in reality with what you know, people like you and I, when we hit boots on the ground and organizations see, because there's a lot of intangible things that aren't in the book. That's for
0: certain. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other challenges that organizations have with the shift to agile mindset is they have an investment in uh, software or tools that are already tied to traditional project management. So the plan views, the clarities, the Rikes, you know, all the different uh, software tools that are out there. And some of them are quite expensive and long-term licensing agreements. How do you help organizations overcome those challenges? And are there tools uh, similar to those that are more appropriate for the Agile world? And again, not looking for any endorsement of a
1: specific tool, but just your thoughts on tools and how that relates. Yeah, that's a great question. And you know what? If I had a soapbox right now, I'd probably stand on it because this is one of my huge pet peeves as a coach. I see organizations way too frequently let the tool dictate how they do work. Oh, yeah. And that drives me crazy. Why in the heck would you let a tool tell you how to work? You need to find out what is the most efficient, effective way to work. And the tool, imagine this, should support that. Crazy thought, right? Yeah. But to go to your point, yeah, a lot of companies have that dichotomy of traditional... Uh, funding and things are tracked through like PlanView, for example. And then we, we're going to use an agile management tool over here. And how do they integrate and how do we do this? And that, again, is part of the journey, right? Traditionally, those things are because funding is based off of projects. And then, oh, yeah, you guys over there go be agile. But some of the most popular tools in the industry are, are tools from like companies like Atlassian, which has Jira. There's uh, version one. There's uh, CA Agile, which everybody still calls Rally and drives them crazy because they spent millions of dollars <laughs> to have it still have the old name. Um, and so those are some of the really popular ones that are out there. But there's a lot of them, right? Again, going back to a recent conversation I had with Bas Voda, with Les is he'll do a huge organization like Nokia and the tool they used to track their product was Excel. Hmm. Imagine that, right? And so, again, a tool is a tool is a tool. How do you use it? And are you trying to track all these old traditional KPIs and force them through some system? And and so it really depends on the maturity of the organization and what they're trying to accomplish. But it, it is part of that journey. And again, I would highly encourage companies, take a step back. Are you letting the tool dictate how you work, the language you use? Or are you finding the best way to work and things to do and hoping the tool you find supports that?
0: Just a reminder uh, to our listeners, if uh, you have questions for Jeremy or me about this, it is is a great topic today and I'm really enjoying the discussion. If you have any questions, you can tweet them in using hashtag PMOJoe and we'll get them uh, out there and get your responses back to you. You had touched on uh, at the beginning, right, the, the rag, the status, and, and that's just traditional, right? Leaders just want to know what's going on. Are you going to make it? am not. Am I going to be getting a call from the customer soon that you're behind schedule? Right. Are we going to blow budget? Or what's going to happen? How do we, in, in the Agile world, how do these executives have a sense of confidence
1: or an understanding of where we're at? That's a great question. And the first thing I would ask is, why do we do rag status, right? Because we have this long project, and I'm relying on one person to aggregate all this information and a little button that changes color to tell me if it's good or bad. And because I don't know if it works until it's done, that's the only insight I have in transparency into what's going on. Take a look at what we're trying to do when an organization is trying to be agile. And if we're trying to put something out, we have good tools in place where we have CI/CD in place. And companies like Google you know, do 10,000 builds a day with their code. And we, you know, Amazon's pushing something to production every like, you know, five, 10 seconds. I have value that I can realize immediately, daily, weekly, monthly, something like that. So the proof is that it actually works. I see it every time I have a demo at worst, maybe every two weeks. I see working software. I see that working service. I see that working product. I can actually tangibly put my hands on it and give it to a customer. And so there's no need for a RAG status because I have the proof in front of me and it already functions. It's just a piece of it. And so it gets rid of the need for something like a RAG status because I don't have to worry about being on track three months from now because every couple of days, every couple of hours, every couple of weeks, I have something. So playing devil's advocate a little bit and and standing up
0: for the project management space where where we're... I think there's certain, because I'm, again, it's the right tool, right situation. But I think certain situations and certain industries are more prone to a traditional project management mindset. And when we're launching somebody into space, we may not want to iterate and give the demo uh, because of the expense of a blown up rocket, right? Unless you're Elon Musk and you've got (laughs) billions of dollars you can burn through. But the rag... In that situation, right, the red, amber, green almost seems more appropriate just because of the situation, and not that it's traditional. Who cares, right? But some sense to be able to report status on a more iterative
1: or step st- uh, stepstone basis from waterfall versus agile. Yeah, you know, I'm. We we talked about this a little bit before we even got Wait. going here, but that's exactly right in the sense that. There are so many different types of industries, organizations and things. And there are certain projects and settings that are just work amazing with Waterfall. And so in those settings, it doesn't make sense to try something new. You know, if if I'm in a production line and I'm making widgets all day, the change I have is minimal, if any. If I'm building a house, I know all the code standards and the the city codes and the ordinances. And they're probably not going to change by the time I get done building my house. Those settings are work really great for very fixed, uh, planned out schedules. Um, we talked about, you, you mentioned uh, the rocket ship and and yeah, government, right? Those things are very predefined and here's your multi-year thing and that's the way we fund and, and do our work. And so those are great settings for those types of work. But there are other settings where software, for example, with new technology coming out, integration and new tools and languages, um, things like marketing and social media where customers are interacting and changing their minds every two seconds like my kids. And those are excellent settings for trying to work in a more agile way because we need to be flexible and, and do little things to test and see if we're getting the right feedback. And so, again, choose the right tool and, and, and put it in the right setting for what you're trying to accomplish and you're going to be happy regardless, right?
0: And that's what I love about this show and what we do, right? Project management, office hours. I think people have a mindset of what project management is. And I'm trying to expose our community to Agile isn't, by definition, project management. But what PMBOK, uh the Pimbock change, right? We came out with version six just recently, and they have now an Agile component into it because we're making the recognition as an industry that project management doesn't have to be one way and we can adopt agile mindset into how we're executing projects. Cause ultimately what is the goal of a project to deliver a result? And while agile may be slightly against the ending, right? The, the product goes on and a project ends the mindset and the tools we use certainly can
1: be beneficial throughout the life of a project. Yeah. And, and to me, that's the thing I touch on more than anything is really the mindset. I, I work that into all kinds of activities and sessions and workshops that I have. And if people don't walk out of a session with me, a training, certification, coaching, opportunity, whatever it is, understanding that it's about the way you think and are we choosing to do the right things for the right reasons, then I've failed them. And and that's the way I grade myself. I don't care if you understand some process I explained to you. I want you to understand what are we putting our energy towards? Is it the right thing? Does it benefit our customer? and you know are we being respectful and and are we all focused on working together and and those are the things i try to convey because that's where the real value is at well i know i walk out of here today knowing that i'm now a convert
0: in the sense of i'm not trying to develop best practices (laughs) right uh so you've won me over so far that's fantastic one other thing i wanted to touch on because you've mentioned it a couple times is the funding model right traditional organizations project-based funding Uh, strategic plans, annual budgets, et cetera, all
1: seems like it kind of gets blown up in an agile mindset. How does that work? Oh, this is a fun one. So I usually use the iron triangle here to explain this. And the traditional one in waterfall would say, here's your fixed scope, right? Here's your business requirements document. All I want you to do is look through it and tell me how much is it going to cost me? And when is it going to be done, right? So the fixed is scope. And the variables are time and um, money. Mm -hmm. Agile flips that on its head. And it says, what I want to be variable is the scope. I know I can fix time. You can give me a date. And I can fix cost because I know how much these people make. And I can do math between what they make and the timeline you gave me. And the conversation around scope is, your job is to put the most important things at the top of our list and we will work them in priority order, which constantly evolves and adapts. And when we run out of time, the one thing we can promise you is we've always worked on the most important things and deliver the most value to our customers. And so it's a very different way of thinking. And I always use the analogy of Microsoft Word because people are very familiar with this tool. And if you were a CEO of an organization, would you say, I don't want to sell Microsoft Word until all of Microsoft Word, all the functionality we know today is done and then I can sell it. So we use things like VBA coding in the background, watermarks, uh, mail merge, putting checkboxes in there, things that are very obscure. Or I could focus on a more agile way of doing that and say, well, 80% of my customers would be pretty happy and get use out of Microsoft Word if I can bold, change fonts and underline. Mm -hmm. And then I can choose Do I continue to add more value to Microsoft Word or I got this crazy idea called PowerPoint and I can put static images on a white background and text and 80% of people can get some value from it. It doesn't have transitions yet. It doesn't have any music. It's not fancy, but I can display and show some kind of a presentation. And then I go back and ask myself, well, do I continue to add something more to Word or PowerPoint? Or I got this crazy idea called Excel. Go with me here, right? <laughs> and so that's the way we need to think as organizations. Do we think of a project of get Microsoft Word done? Or do we think of the products and the value of where we're putting our effort in the, in the way I described it, of taking that thin slice across different things? Because I can start making money a heck of a lot faster than you can.
0: What I loved about that example is it was something that we're all familiar with because we're all office users. And uh, I think we've all struggled with the Microsoft. Why don't they have that feature? But then about a year or two later, you know, along comes a new feature. And even within Microsoft Project that we use for project management, yep. right? And, and PWA came along so we all could get it in the cloud and not have to get Project Server, right? So many different adaptations for that description that you just walked through. And, and in that case, we're always uh, on time and within budget. But what we deliver is the most important. And we don't argue with our leaders over why we're overspending and why we're taking too long. Because really what we're doing is what we committed to. Exactly, That's a great mindset. Yeah. Well, we are approaching the end of an hour, which is amazing how fast this discussion went by. I can tell you one thing. I'm glad that we picked a single topic and really focused in on it. I hope our listeners enjoyed uh, getting more in-depth on a single topic, and I think we'll probably do a little bit uh, more of this in the future as we go forward with our guests. So, Jeremy, thank you for bringing your expertise and sharing with everybody uh, your expertise on Agile and, and
1: all that you do with Matrix. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Joe. It's been a lot of fun, and this hour flew by. Like I literally can't believe it's been that long already. So, thank you, everybody, for uh, you know listening in, and I had a blast, so thank you. And if you could
0: just remind everybody again about the BAD conference that's coming up in September.
1: Yeah. And just to be clear, it's not bad because I'm going to be there. <laughs> um, again, Business Analyst Day in the Desert. And that's put on by the Phoenix chapter of IIBA. And that will be September 18th on a Tuesday at Desert Willow Conference Center. And just as a reminder, use the promo code PM Office Hours and get that before the 7th of September, and you'll get $25 off. And as far as people getting in touch with you, learning a little bit more about you or Matrix, how can they reach you? Absolutely. So they can reach out to Matrix on matrix, R-E-S, matrixres.com or they can shoot me an email, jeremy.wood at matrixres.com. Also, I'm happy to entertain some questions and concerns or uh, crying emojis. <laughs> and of
0: course, we'll have this show uh, available on all of our platforms as well to reach to, uh, go back in and hit pause and listen and think and capture it. Because I know uh, when you're listening live, sometimes you wish you could have asked a question that you couldn't get to when you listen to a podcast. Just want to remind everyone also that we're live the first and third Thursday each month. Our next show will be September 6th and we have a great lineup of guests coming up on future shows. And we also want to remind everyone, as I just mentioned, right, that all of these shows are recorded So please be sure to subscribe to Project Management Office Hours podcast on iTunes. We're on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, uh, you name the podcast platforms, we're out there. Also want to thank our sponsors, uh, the PMO Squad. They're 100% project management focused, not on best practices. 100% of the time, providing leadership to set up project management, PMOs, PM training, PM software and Project Managers to run your key strategic projects. And of course, Talaya, where they focus on rapid implementations using common integrations to tools like Jira and Microsoft Project to give you a solution that's going to be able to help you deliver. You can get more information and sign up for your free 30-day trial with Talaya by going to www.talaya-openppm.com. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm Joe Puzz, PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours.